Thanks, Gary. Praise the Lord. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Thank you very much. You can be seated. Well, we want to welcome you. This is the very first public function that we've had in this building. We opened up school a week ago, Monday, and uh, believe it or not, we've gotten a lot done since then. And uh, we just barely got in here. As you can tell with these uh, plywood up, we still had not got this fireplace going, but we are eventually going to get it fixed. And, uh, but it's just awesome what God has done. And we're so thrilled to have you as the very first people uh, to be in here. And so I think it's just going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. Really excited that y'all came. You know, I would like to, uh, tomorrow when you can see things better, you'll get a little better oriented about everything. And of course, downstairs, many of you hadn't been down there, but uh, it's a great facility that God's given us. But actually, we designed a campus here that is two buildings. And this was, I never intended to build this separately. This was going to be where all the classes took place, mainly over here. And then we've got a 2,500 seat auditorium design that we were going to put uh, adjacent to it through these doors. As you walk down right where you registered down there, uh, that's all going to be open. And this is where the uh, two buildings connect. And there's a grand staircase that goes downstairs. And then the, the other building uh, goes up another floor. And so uh, anyway, we've got a little video that I just wanted to show you. This is a virtual tour of our second building. And hopefully you can tell the building on the left is the building that you're in. Well, it's already past that. But this is going into the second building. The second building is twice as big as this one. And this is entering into the uh, main auto, uh, concourse that goes around it. We designed it so that we can put 2,000 people in the concourses downstairs and upstairs. And this will be pretty much our break room We've designed this facility to accommodate a minimum of 3,000, probably 3,500 or 4,000 people that we could have as students here with these two buildings that we've designed. So you're seeing that concourse on the left. There was a bookstore type of thing. You go up these stairs, and this takes you up to an upper uh, concourse. That's a water feature that's right in front of you, like a two-story waterfall stuff that goes down. And then upstairs, there's another concourse that wraps around. And altogether, we can put 2,000 people at those tables and chairs. Those are not the actual tables and chairs we're going to have, but it's just representative to show you uh, how they could sit there. It's got a beautiful view. It's uh, about two and a half, three stories tall, looking all towards Pikes Peak out here. So it'll be awesome. And now this takes you into the balcony area of our 2,500-seat auditorium. And this will be the auditorium uh, that we'll be building. And it's really going to be nice. So altogether, these two buildings are going to be 220,000 square feet. This, this one, I, in case you've listened to me in the past, I've been telling everybody that this was 90,000 square feet. And it just turned out that uh, where the buildings adjoined, they, they took out a lot of this area where the uh, staircase is and all of these things. So this one's actually closer to 72,000 square feet. So the second building is going to be like 150. It'll be over twice as large as this one. And we've already paid for all the infrastructure 
on all of this property. We did over $12 million worth of infrastructure, putting the roads in and, and of course, leveling everything. Um, I forget all of the details, but it's thousands of truckloads of dirt that we brought in here because this dirt to build on, it had to be different. And we built up the road that you drove in on over 30 feet tall in some places. And uh, anyway, it's just been quite an effort, but praise God we're in here. And uh, it's a, it's a blessing. Praise God. So when we designed it, I designed it as a, as you know, two buildings together. I decided to build this one primarily just for money situation. And uh, I was going to do it debt free. And so we don't have much of a foyer out there. The main foyers in the other building and uh, over on the other side of this hall, we designed a 4,500 square foot kitchen so that we can feed up to 4,000 people at a time in this facility. But in this first phase, uh, all of our offices are going to be in phase number two. So this first phase, uh, we turned our kitchen into offices. And so anyway, there's, there's going to be some changes, but praise God, we're in here. They're never going to get me out. Praise God. And praise the Lord. We did this debt free. I tell you, it is awesome. So I specifically want to thank those of you who were partners with us and gave because, you know, what this is, it's an investment in people's lives. It's all about Karis Bible College, about discipling people and training them. I figured that if we had to take our 636 students that are currently here in the school and charge them for this, we would have had to charge everybody over 50, uh, it's either 50 or $52,000 per person to pay for this. And we never increased tuition. We hadn't done anything. Our partners, people all over the world believe in what we're doing and they gave to help us train people here. And I tell you, that's what it's all about. Right now, let's see, Gary, you might need to correct me on some of these things, but if you add up our correspondence course, our online, our, uh, I think it's either 38, I think you've been saying 38, but I think we're opening up two more Bible schools in January. So it's 40 extension schools. And if you add all of this stuff worldwide up, we have what, 5,200, is that 5,200 people involved in Karis Bible College and it's making a difference. It's already changing people's lives. I mean, around the world. And so now we can expand and we were just totally, totally maxed out where we were. And uh, so now we have room to expand. And I really believe that the Lord put in my heart that we are going to have 3000 people on campus minimum and even more. We, with night school and using both facilities and stuff, we could accommodate actually more than 3000. But uh, if we continue the same percentages right now, we've got eight times as many people in our Karis Bible College system than we have here. So if we, if we grow to 3,000 here, we could have as uh, many as 24,000 people in Karis Bible College at any one time. And I tell you, that has the potential to change the world. And so that's what I'm excited about. You know, God's given us a beautiful building and stuff, but I've, I've seen this building through the construction phase. I've been up here and walked over every inch of it and prayed over it and talked about it. And it was, it was okay. But you know what excited me is when we moved in here. 
And when you saw people in here, and I was back here on Wednesday and they were just worshiping the Lord. And I looked, I stood at the back and looked. And I mean, there were hundreds of people just being impacted by the power of God. And that's what it's all about. This is just a tool to help us do things. But the real thing is about changing people's lives. And so anyway, it's, it's exciting. And we're glad that you're here and glad that you're a part of it. I'm going to receive an offering tonight. And I want to say that this uh, men's advance was started way back uh, in the beginning of our school. This will be our 20th year to operate the school. And this man's advance was started because part of our uh, Bible college is that you have to go on an overseas missions trip in order to be able to graduate. The logic behind that is, is that it doesn't need to be just theory. You've got to go put it into practice. You've actually got to go minister to people. And there's something sp- uh, special about leaving this culture and being just immersed into a different culture. People come back every single time just totally transformed. It's a life-transforming experience. So anyway, they have to have a missions trip to be able to graduate. And instead of making the students pay for it, that's not included in their tuition, part of the schooling is to teach people how you pay for ministry. And so ministry, one of the things we teach is that money follows ministry. And instead of begging people for money and saying, we, we aren't going to make it if you don't give, we teach people that if you minister to people, if you touch them, then God will meet your needs. Your needs are meant proportional to how you minister to people. And so we started these men's advance as a way of ministering to people. But all of the offerings that come in go towards these missions trips. Last year, I think it was, what, 300000 Is that accurate? 330000 that we spent on missions trips, sending our second year students around. And they don't pay for that, but instead they participate. They run this. They'll be the ones that'll be doing all of the serving and all of these kind of things. And they earn missions points. And so they do have to contribute and do things. But we take the offerings that come in and we do a lot of other things uh, to raise finances. But this is one of the main things right here. So all of your offerings will be going towards our missions account. Is that correct? That's correct? I didn't misrepresent. That's the way it's been all of these other years. I was hoping it was the same. Let me share this with you out of Romans chapter 10 as we give. If anybody here would like an offering envelope for your giving, if you'll hold your hand up, we've got some ushers that'll give you an offering envelope. And so while I'm sharing these scriptures, just hold your hand up if you'd like one. This is for cash giving. If you want to give cash, if you'll fill this out in English, not in tongues, we'll give you a receipt for your giving. And uh, there's also a place on there that you can give by credit card, but we don't encourage you to give what you don't have. But if you use the credit card just for convenience and pay it off, you're more than welcome to do that. But in Romans chapter 10, of course, the first few verses are talking about, uh, you know, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, that you shall be saved. Everyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then it says this, right? Well, let me just go back to verse 13. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful 
are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We also often use that verse 17, but in the previous verses, it talks about how are they going to preach unless they're sent? And so part of what you're doing tonight, when you sow into this, you are helping us to complete the training of people who come here for students and we are actually sending them to foreign fields. And I wished we had time tonight, maybe sometime during this time, uh, Gary usually has somebody come up and give a testimony. But it would be wonderful if you could just hear some of the testimonies of how these missions trips, uh, of course, they change people's lives that they minister to. We just had a group come back from Europe and Europe is a hard place. And I mean, it's not unusual to go over there and not be able to see anybody respond. They're antagonistic. But our groups have been going over there. And I think the last group had over 100 or 150 people be born again. It's changed the churches. The churches are asking for our students to come because wherever they go, there's just revival that breaks out. And so it is making an impact on the places that we go. But it changes the lives of the students. One of the things we do is make them minister. You don't have an option. And there's a lot of people that are actually intimidated by these trips. They don't want to go on them because they're afraid. But we make them do it. And they find out when they are forced to start standing up and presenting the gospel that the power of God shows up and miracles happen. And I mean, it becomes addictive. The scripture talks about those that have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. I remember this guy, Tom Decker, and I don't know if he's here tonight, but anyway, he lives in this area now. But Tom Decker was one of our students. He was an oil man that was so well off. He retired at 50 something and, and he and his wife came to school. And uh, anyway, Tom, in the two years that he, or two or three years that he was here at the school, I bet you he never did anything but just nod his head at me. I'd say, hi, Tom. And he wouldn't even talk. He would just nod his head. He was painfully shy. But he had to go on a missions trip and he went to, I think it was Uganda or Kenya, one of those two places. And they had him preach at a service and he was scared spitless. And he got up in front of those people and started speaking. The power of God fell so strong that every person in the church fell out under the power of God, including the pastor. And Tom couldn't get the service back. Everybody was out cold. And I mean, they weren't out for a minute. They were out for 30 or 40 minutes. And so he finally just left and left them all laying (laughs) on the floor. But he got so turned on through that, that he came back and he went over and took over our UK school and ran it for either two or three years. And now he's back here. But I mean, it changed his life. Tom has never been the same. And we see this happen hundreds and hundreds of times. So when you give tonight, you are giving in to, you are one of those that's helping us send people around the world that are going to touch people in every corner of the world. How many countries are we going to this year? 14 different countries this year that we'll be sending our students to. And it's going to be touching people all over the world. When you get to heaven, you're going to have people from every place come and say, thanks for touching my life. And you'll say, when did I do that? When you send our students out. So you're going to be touching people all over the world, but you're also going to be impacting people's lives in a way that they'll never be the same. 
So praise God. You have the same reward for sending as those who actually go. So I just want to encourage you to be generous. This is what all of the offerings go to is to help us to be able to send these students all over the world. So let's pray over these offerings and then we'll receive them. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for everything that you've done. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the facility that our partners have provided. Thank you, Father, that you are raising this up to make an impact, not only on individuals, but the body of Christ worldwide. And Father, I thank you for this opportunity to give. And I believe that as we sow into these people's lives, that Father, it's not only going to be a blessing to them and to the people they minister to, but I believe that every person that gives is going to reap a hundredfold in this life And in the life to come, we are going to be able to visit with people throughout eternity whose lives were changed because of the seeds that were sown right here and the way it's going to change people's lives. So, Father, we thank you for that. I just speak a special blessing back upon every person that gives it. It comes back unto them, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. You can receive the offering. Hallelujah. You know, let me just say, uh, uh, David's going to sing something here during this offering, but let me say real quickly that there's a lot of things happening. I wish I had time to tell you all about it, but this property was dedicated to the Lord long before we ever came along. And we just found that out after we bought the property. It's a miraculous story. And this is something that God, I believe, has ordained And he's brought all of these things together. And we are just the ones that get to be uh, the participants and get to see it all come to pass. So it's exciting what God's doing. And you're, you're a part of it. Every one of you who's so into this ministry are a vital part of what's happening. So this is Dave Hinton again, and he's going to minister in music. Then I'll come back and share the word. Where's Isaiah at? I met a young man a while ago. Are you here? Wave at me. All right, there you are. Man, this is for you. Uh, I wrote this song. You ever have discouragement come at you? You don't have to open the door if it knocks, you know. And uh, I was driving down the road, and I just felt a heaviness, and I started, you know, getting a little discouraged. I thought, I'm not going to do that. And I just began singing this song. and uh, It's called Sing, Sing. Anybody heard it? You sing along. It's simple enough. Come on. I'm gonna sing, sing, sing a, sing a, sing a song, song, song a, song a, song about, 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 about His love, 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 love. Walk, 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 and talk, 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 talk about, 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 about His love. Talking about God's love. All right, you got it. Here we go. We're gonna do it again. It's better being discouraged. Come on. Gonna sing, sing, sing a, sing a, sing a song, song, song a, song a, song about, 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 about his love, 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 love. Walk, 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 and talk, 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 talk about, 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 about his love. Talking about God's love, talking about God's love, and everything he's done. You and me and everyone I was down, down, down in the miry clay 
no way till he set my feet up on the king's highway. Hey, 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 sing, 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 sing a song, 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 a song, a song about, 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 about his love, 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 walk, 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 and talk, 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 talk about, 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 about his love, talking about God's love, talking about God's love. Everywhere I go, to everyone I know, he called me, me, me to preach his word, you see, and he will be with me each place I go. Whoa, 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 sing, 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 sing a song, 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 a song, a song about, 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 about his love, love. Love, 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 walk, 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 and talk, 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 talk about, 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 about his love, talking about God's love. All right. You're going to have to stand up. Man, and let's shake some stuff off. (laughs) Would you give me a smile offering? Would you just do this or something? (laughs) Amen. Come on, somebody get excited about Jesus. Amen. Now, if you you can sing one chorus of this song and not be feeling a whole lot better, well, you will, okay? So sing it with me. I'm going to sing, sing, sing a, sing a, sing a song, song, song a, song a, song about, 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 about his love, 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 walk, 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 and talk, 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 talk about, 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 about his love, talking about God's love, talking about God's love, everywhere I go. I'm talking about God's love. Oh, to everyone I know, I'm talking about God's love. Talking about, talking about, talking about God's love. (laughs) Amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise, Andrew. You can be seated. That's pretty simple, isn't it? I tell you, I sing that song quite a bit. It's one of my granddaughter's favorite songs. Did I say grandfather? I think I said granddaughter. <laughs> Dave is over at our house and Renan says, sing number four. <laughs> he didn't know what number four was. <laughs> he wrote it, but he didn't remember the sequence. She remembered it. She memorized it. It's awesome. Praise God. Well, the Lord laid on my heart to talk uh, this, all of the sessions that I do this week about how to be a success. And you know, that may not sound like a real exciting thing to you. Some people think, oh man, uh, either, you know, I'm going to leave this place feeling miserable about what I've done, or this is a motivational type of thing. But this will be a little bit different, I think, than probably what the title is talking about. But success isn't something that you do are accomplished. That's basically the way that the world talks about it. But I believe that this is about how to be a success. It's about who you are. And uh, this is a oversimplification, but just right up front, I'll say that I'm going to be talking about 
basically that you aren't a success if you do all of these other things, but if you don't have your own personal relationship with God where it should be. And uh, that's really the heart of this. So anyway, I I just really felt like the Lord spoke to me some things about how to uh, share this with you. And I encourage you to open up your heart. Again, there's some people that are, they just feel like a failure. And man, they feel like all this is going to do is knock me down more. It's really not that way. It's going to, I believe, be a real encouragement to you because I believe that we've defined success completely incorrectly and so we're going to be redefining that. And I believe what I'm, I believe that God is going to do is encourage you to uh, receive the love of God and to uh, be all that God wants you to be. And I believe it's going to make a difference. Amen. It'll be really, really good for you. So let me just say, first off, here is a definition. I looked uh, success up in the American Heritage Dictionary. And it gave two definitions that were pertinent to what we're talking about here. And it says the achievement of something attempted. That's success. And that, you know, that is true that, you know, uh, four years ago, the Lord uh, told me we had to have a new facility. And so I started believing and we, we got people together and we prayed and we said, we need our own facility. And they said, well, what do you want it to look like? God led us here. Here we are four years later and we've got the first of two buildings built. And so that's a success. We've accomplished something that was attempted. And so that's not a hundred percent wrong, but I think that too often when we try and evaluate success, we're all looking for external things. And you know, a building isn't success or anything like that. I'm wanting to redirect your attention. The second definition in the American Heritage Dictionary, it says the gaining of fame or prosperity. And I really dislike that one. I tell you what, that is not success. And I, I, before I even get into talking about what it is and how God wants us to accomplish it and all of these things, I just really need to say that we have had the world influence us much, much more than what it should be. And most of us don't define things based on what the word of God says. And I think that for the average person, this really is what success is, is fame or prosperity. And especially most men will measure success in their life by whether or not they're at the top of their field, whatever it is that, you know, you are doing or based on how much money and things that you have. I mean, basically the American dream is get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on your can. And that's kind of the American dream. And a lot of us are influenced by this. And there are people that feel that if they don't have lots of money, if they don't have lots of influence, if they don't have lots of fame, that they aren't a success. But that is, I don't believe that's what success is at all. And I'm going to be showing you a lot of scriptures. We're going to be going through a number of scriptures about this. But the very first thing you need to do is is, uh, redefine what success is. There's some people in here, I believe, who may feel like you are insignificant and that you aren't a success because you haven't done anything big. And I believe that sometimes people that the world would call insignificant are a much greater success in the eyes of God than people that have all of the fame and all of the money. And then there's some other people in here that have succeeded in the world standards very well. And you may have a lot of things going for you, but in the sight of God, you're a poor person. Thank you for that thunderous silence. 
And I, overall, when I get through, I believe this is going to be very edifying. But if you are looking for the wrong thing, if what you consider to be success is this definition that I gave of fame and prosperity, and if that's your idea of success, well, then there's no way that you're going to arrive at what God intends for you to have because you're shooting at the wrong thing. You're defining things. You're evaluating things incorrectly. You know, I've met a lot of people who in the attempt to succeed based on what the world says, their job gives them a promotion. But in order to be promoted, they have to move to a different place. And uh, I have, I've seen this over and over and over that a person is in a place where their church is good. I mean, they have a great church. Their family is plugged in. They've got relationships. They got everything going Their Their family is doing great. But in an effort to succeed, they will unplug from all of that and take a job, move to someplace else and not even go to check out if there is a good church, if there's a place that their family can be established and stuff, because that is not as important to them as just climbing the corporate ladder or whatever. And again, that's the way that many, many people think. But I have told many people that, you know what, that's not success. If you gain the whole world and lose your own soul, what good is it? What what good is it if you gain all of these assets and yet your family is damaged by it if they don't want to go? And yet I'm not, I'm not trying to criticize anybody. I'm just in the introduction. Don't get upset with me yet. But I'm saying that there's so many people that it's just ground into us that you get all you can, you can all you get, you sit on your can, and that's success. And I'm telling you, I think that that is an ungodly viewpoint. Success is not measured by the things that you have and by the recognition that you have. That is not success at all. Here is my little definition of what success is. It's having a great relationship with God and accomplishing whatever his instructions for your life are. Now that's success. And if you truly have a great relationship with God, then God will show you what he created you for and what it is that he wants you to do. And as you do that, wherever God guides you, he will provide for you and you will see external things happen you won't be living under a bridge. You won't be starving. God is El Shaddai, not El Chipo. But that is not the way you measure your success. Those are all external things. You know, again, I, I'm not wanting to major on just what you see, but this is a graphic example of what we're talking about, that this was a $32 million project, buying this property, building the infrastructure, building this building, $32 million, and in three years, we brought that in above our normal operating expense and paid for this debt-free. And you know what? Many people would think, man, that's success. Well, in a sense it is, but that is a byproduct of having a relationship with God. And this is just what God spoke to me. He didn't speak this to you. He didn't speak this to everybody else. And so, you know what, if somebody looks at this and think, well, man, this is success, but I've never done anything like this. I haven't got success. That's not a proper way to evaluate because God didn't tell all of you to do what he told me to do. You know, there's a friend of mine, or uh, our COO of our ministry, when he lived, I think it was in uh, either Utah or Oregon, he had a guy in his church 
who was a trash collector. And he told everybody that God called him to be a trash collector. And that this was his calling in life was picking up trash. And of course, some people challenged him on it. You know, you don't have a very lofty uh, vision for your life. And he says, well, somebody's got to pick up the trash. Think of what our society would be like if we had no trash collection. And he says, man, there'd be disease and stuff. And he says, plus I get to see people that may never go to a church and do anything else. And he witnessed to people and he got to brighten up their day and help them. You know, Dave Hinton and I were, were interviewing today on an inside story. And he told the story about his friend driving through, I think it was Illinois. And they were talking about the Lord and he got to do it in 75 in a 45 or something. And so a policeman pulled him over and was giving them a ticket and got Dave, uh, God told Dave to tell this man that he loved him. He says, has anybody told you today that um, they love you? And man, this policeman looked down and said, no. And Dave said, well, I'm not going to <laughs> with that. <laughs> But anyway, he finally says, well, let me be the first to tell you that Jesus loves you. And he started sharing with him about Jesus. And you know, this man had big old tears running out of his eyes. And he says, do you realize what I was doing when you came over that hill? And he said, no. And he said, I had my gun cocked and I was going to kill myself. And you know what? Somebody getting a speeding ticket and just telling him that Jesus loved him changed that man's life. I tell you, we, we just evaluate things incorrectly from the world's standpoint. And it doesn't matter if you're a garbage collector. God needs garbage collectors. There's some people that will never be reached if the garbage collector doesn't go and share the gospel with them. God needs people in every area. And again, in the world's standards, it's just about getting as much as you can, about getting as much fame and recognition. You've got to be the best. You've got to have all of this money. I don't believe that God looks at things like that at all. God looks at things completely differently. I believe it's all about your personal relationship with God. That's number one. And if you have a personal relationship with God, then he will direct you and put you in a place to where your life can be a benefit, not only to yourself, but to other people. And if you do those two things, you're a success in the eyes of God. You know, we look at people who are on television or people who at whatever, and we think, man, those people are, you know, God's using them. But let me share a scripture with you. Well, man, I got a lot of things I want to share. Let me turn over first of all to Romans chapter 12 and just use these verses. Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. These are the verses that changed my life. I've got an entire series on this entitled how to find God's will and then how to follow God's will and how to fulfill God's will. I'm not going to teach on all of those things, but it certainly would apply right here. But these verses are the very first verses that God ever spoke to me. And in Romans 12, 1, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Did you know most people think that being sold out to God, being totally committed to God is for the preachers. It's for the full-time clergy. It's for the fanatics. This says that being a living sacrifice is your reasonable service. One translation says your normal Christian duty. And we've got people here from every walk of life. And I know that some of you came, you don't even know why you're here. 
Maybe you came under duress. Somebody bribed you or forced you to come here or something. Others came here just checking it out. There's some of you that are passionate about the Lord, but we've got people right here in this auditorium that you aren't a living sacrifice. You hadn't committed your life to the Lord because you just think that's not for you. This is the normal Christian duty. This is your reasonable service. If Jesus died for you and gave his life and suffered for you, the very least that every one of us could do is to be totally sold out and committed to God. This isn't for just some people. This is for every person in the sound of my voice, whether you're here, whether you're watching on live streaming or whatever, the Lord wants every one of us to be totally committed to him. And the reason these verses, the Lord used these and spoke to me. And the reason this was so impactful to me is because I had just gotten out of high school. I was in my first semester of college and I was praying about God, what do you want me to do? I had to start making decisions about the direction my life was going. And I was looking for my vocation. And the Lord used these verses to say, your vocation is not the important thing. And again, this is strange to most people, especially guys. I think guys are more goal-oriented and success as far as being recognized by people and getting paid and doing things like this. I think that we're more dominated by that even than women are. But this is strange to people to say that your vocation or the kind of thing that you do for a living is not the main thing. I believe that God's number one will for every single person is to be a living sacrifice and totally committed unto him. And if you do this, this is the way that the Lord spoke this to me. If you become a living sacrifice and then verse two says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And the will of God, as far as what you do, what you accomplish in your life is the last thing mentioned in these two verses. The first thing is you have to be a living sacrifice, totally committed unto God. The second thing is you have to renew your mind and get to where you aren't directing your own thinking, but you turn the control of your life over to the Lord. You let him call the shots. You do those two things. The Lord spoke it to me this way. He says, you would have to backslide on me to keep from fulfilling my will for you. I don't know if that means anything to you, but this was huge information to me because I I knew God had a purpose for my life. I didn't know what it was, but ever since I was a little kid, I believe God had a purpose for my life. And I'm not going to get off and teach on all of this uh, teaching on how to find, follow, and fulfill God's will. But if you hadn't got that, you ought to get it. Because I spend a lot of time in there and I show a lot of scriptures that before people were even formed in their womb, God had called them and separated them unto a purpose. It is not up to you to pick and choose and do what you want to and then ask God to bless it. That's the, reason, that's the reason people have so much stress and worry and that you can't sleep because you are doing your thing. You have the burden of it on you. But if you do it God's method, it's not about what you do. It's not about being a human doing. It's a human being. It's who you are. You have relationship with God. You come to know God in a real experiential way to where you have a vibrant relationship with Him 
And part of that is the renewing of your mind. You can't relate to God just based on your own understanding. You've got to submit yourself and yield yourself to what God says. And as you renew your mind, then the inevitable byproduct of it, I mean, you cannot miss it. You will prove the good, the acceptable and the perfect will of God. You can't miss it. And I don't want to get too far off topic here, but I can testify that any good thing that God has ever done in my life, this is exactly how it happened. When the Lord showed me these verses, I quit asking about what's my vocation. And I started saying, God, I realize that what you want is me. You don't want what I can do. You want me. And you know, as I'm saying this, I just know by the Holy Spirit right now that there are some of you saying, but God doesn't want me. You don't understand how much he loves you. You, You've never seen that. You have offered him your service. You've done things, but you've never given him your heart. You know, guys are big about this. We, I don't know, we equate what we do with who we are. But the truth is that what you do is, should be a byproduct of who you really are. It's not a substitute for I've pastored three churches and I've had lots of counseling on marriage and I've had lots of men that never really had much of a, a relationship with their wives, but they provided. They worked hard. They would protect them. They, they uh, came home every night. You know, they were there for them, but there was, there was not the relationship that a woman wanted. And men, it just seems like we're clueless. Like, well, what's wrong? Amen. I bring home the dough. I do all of this. What do you want? They want you. Not just what you can do for them, but they want you. Likewise, God wants you more than what you can do for him. And if you are trying to serve him and you pay your tithes and you go through the motions and you go to church and you're a good person and you don't go out and dip or cuss or chew or go with those that do and you think that's sufficient, But you know what? If your heart isn't given over to God, if the Lord isn't the most important part of your life, if you aren't a living sacrifice, but instead it's all about just doing the right things, but your heart isn't given to God, did you know that that doesn't please the Lord? God wants you more than what you can do for him. And to me, based on these scriptures, this is success, is giving your heart to the Lord loving him with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you renew yourself and submit yourself to God's way of doing things, then how he uses you is just a byproduct. Did you know where I am today and what God is doing with my life? I would have had to literally rebel at God to keep from doing this. I haven't made it happen. I didn't have a five-year goal and say, God, in five years, I want to see this happen. And so I was pushing and I was praying and asking God to get involved and make it come to pass. Boy, to me, that's just a stressful life that I don't like. I don't have any of this stress. I'm just seeking God, loving God. And and all along the way, God just speaks to me and I've responded and God has blessed me. People's lives are being changed. Some of you have heard me say this before. But my mother died in 2009 and right before she died, she just wanted to hear one more time about what was happening. And she was asking about all of the offices and things that are happening around the world. And I was telling her, 
And she was really blessed, but she looked at me and she says, Andy, you know that's God. And I said, yes, ma'am, I know that's God. And then she looked right at me and stuck her finger right in my face and she says, you aren't smart enough to do this. (laughs) And you know what? It's absolutely true. I am not smart enough to do what's happening. You know, again, I... uh, This is just a token. This is just an evidence of some of the things I'm talking about. But this building, $32 million debt-free in three years. I'm not smart enough to do that. I didn't make anything happen. I haven't begged anybody. I haven't pleaded with anybody. I hadn't manipulated anybody. God just spoke to me and told me and I've responded and I've tried. I've had to stand in faith at times. I remember when they came to me about, I forget, two, three years ago and says, it's over. It's dead. The city won't let you build. They've turned you down. And you know what? I heard the report, but I just didn't believe it because it wasn't consistent with what God spoke to me. And I told them, guys, you're going to have to refigure something because I know God told me to do this. There is a way to get it done. And guess what? We got it done and it's working out. But I've had to stand and I've had to believe and stuff. But I'm saying it's not something that I wanted. And oh God, please help me to get this. I'm in the midst of some things right now. God's opening up some new opportunities. And you know what? It's not, oh God, would you please help me to do this? It's more like, Lord, here I am. I'm yours. And if you want me to do this, fine. If you don't, fine. I don't have an agenda. And God, if this is what you want me to do, just show me. Confirm to me that this is the step you want me to take. And if God confirms it to me, and if I know for sure that this is what God wants me to do, then I'll do it. And guess what? It'll all be done debt free and everything else will work out. And I just don't have any stress. I I think some of you, this is so simple, you might be missing it. But I'm telling you, the reason it seems like the weight of the world is on your shoulders You might be doing a good thing, but you're doing it. You feel the responsibility. You are begging God to please help you do something. There's a much greater way to live. And that's just to run up a white flag, make yourself a living sacrifice and say, God, I have no agenda. I have no purpose. I have nothing. I'm not asking you to do anything. Here I am. I'm a living sacrifice. You do with me what you want me to do. And when you do that, then there's a period of time of renewing your mind. You have to get renewed to the point that God can trust you with instructions. But as he changes your heart, he will just start speaking to you. And once God tells you to do it, it's awesome because all the responsibility is on him. I didn't ask God for any of this. God did it. God told me to do it. You know, this story I was referring to earlier, let me just share a tiny bit of it. But the people that used to own this property owned most of Woodland Park many years ago. A couple of brothers came here and bought nearly most of this town where the Walmart is, the Safeway, a bunch of stuff was all their property. And this guy who owned this property was not seeking the Lord. But on his deathbed, he had some kind of a disease. I think it was cancer or something. But on his deathbed, his nurse led him to the Lord. He got born again and just totally fell in love with the Lord and he wanted his little bit that he had left to be used for the Lord. And so he told his daughter and son-in-law says, I want this property right here. I want this dedicated to God. 
I want this to be used for the things of God. And so he died and his daughter and son-in-law took this property and walked it and dedicated it to the Lord. They built a lodge over here. It's nearly a $3 million lodge that just came with this property. And they built this lodge over there and they lived in it for, I don't know, three or four years or something, but they knelt down and dedicated that to the Lord. And specifically, they felt like God wanted it for ministers to come from all over the world and just sit here and be refreshed and blessed. So they built that house. They lived in it for a while. And then they uh, took a job at uh, University of Texas in Austin. I think this guy is the head of the dental department there. And they moved and they sold this property to the people over here, the neighbors and their Jews. And when they sold it, they wondered how all of this was going to work out. But then, long story, we bought it. When they found out, they contacted me. They told me this story. And you know what? The point I'm making is God had things in place. And in, I live 17 miles past this property. And for 28 years, I've been driving by this property every single day. And of course, you can't see any of this from the highway. And I didn't know this was here. And yet I don't even know the exact timing, but 12 or 15 years ago, it's just four years ago that we bought this property, but a decade before that, God had people touch their heart, dedicate this to the Lord for exactly what it's being used for right now. I didn't pray and ask God to do this. God had this in his heart and in his mind. If I had time, I could tell you, I used to be opposed to a Bible college. I didn't want to be... uh, part of a Bible college because I'd seen people graduate from Bible colleges and I didn't want my name associated with some of the people I saw come out of Bible colleges. I wanted nothing to do with it. And I mean, in 1993, in one week's time, boom, God just changed my heart, spoke to me and he says, this is the best way for you to disciple people. You can make a bigger impact on them. And I mean, he showed me a different way of doing a Bible college. And I turned from never wanting to have a Bible college to all of a sudden, man, this is what God told me to do. I never wanted to be on television. I I felt like God was going to tell me to do that because he told me I was going to reach people all over the world. It seemed like a logical thing to do, but I didn't want to be on television. It'll destroy you. It's expensive. (laughs) Amen. And I had people offer me time on television. I said, no, thanks. And then in the summer of 1999, God spoke, or actually, I guess it was 1998, God spoke to me and told me it's time to go on television. But it's not something I asked God for and asked God to bless it. No, God, please help me to, to grow a television ministry. I never asked for it. I didn't ask for a Bible college. I didn't ask for television. I didn't ask for this property. I didn't ask for anything. All I've been doing is just seeking God to the best of my ability and listening. And God has spoken to me and do these things. And it's not just me, but man, I was talking to Gary Lukey and he was talking about how he was very successful in the world's eyes, making money and had a prestigious position and doing things. But it was just going to work, coming home, getting up, going to work. Now what he's doing is changing people's lives. And he was just, he was trying to express the difference. He was a success by the world's standards. But man, it's totally different when you're in union with God and God is speaking to you and you are fulfilling a purpose that you were created for. And brothers, I don't know every person in here. 
There's probably a lot of you in here that really have made a commitment to the Lord and God is leading you and things are working good. But I know because I deal with so many people that there's a large number of men sitting right in this room that you're good and you may be a success by the world's standards, but you don't have any assurance that you, you don't have this depth of relationship with God. You worry, you're frustrated, you have fear about the future, care about all of these things, you're stressed out, and you have never just entered into the joy of just knowing God and not having anything. You aren't trying to get God to do anything. You're just saying, God, what do you want me to do? Here I am. You're waiting on God. And you're looking to God. And then when God tells you to do something, there is none of the stress with it that goes with the American idea of success. You don't have to make anything happen. And I'm telling you, brothers, that this this is what you need. It's what you were created for. There is a God-shaped vacuum on the inside of every person. And we think that fame and success and Just all kinds of things will fill it. But I'm telling you, there's nothing that's going to satisfy you more than having an intimate personal relationship with God. That's what these verses are talking about. And at 18 years old, God showed me these verses. And I made a commitment from that time on, I quit praying, God, use me. I used to be praying and saying, God, use me. I want to know what your vocation for me is. What do you want me to do? Oh, God, use me. And when the Lord was telling me these things, he says, the reason I'm not using you is because you aren't usable. He says, don't ever ask me again to use you, but instead pray and say, oh God, make me usable. And he said, as soon as you get usable, I can guarantee you, I want to use you more than you want me to use you. Quit praying for that and just say, oh God, make me usable. Become a living sacrifice. Spend time renewing your mind and I can guarantee you I will use you. And so that changed my whole purpose. And since that time, that was in 1968, I have never prayed and said, oh God, please do this for me. God, please help me to accomplish this goal. I've never asked God to bless me and to help me do anything. But instead I've been saying, God, here I am. What do you want me to do? And then when God tells you to do it, it's already blessed. God would be unjust to call you to do something and expect you to get it done under your own strength and power. If God calls, he is also going to provide. The moment he tells you something, then I guarantee you there is enough anointing on what he has told you to accomplish it. And you can just push all of your care over on him. I mean, how many of you have had to come up with 32 million extra dollars in three years? And you know what? I've never missed a night's sleep. I've never worried about it. I've never been anxious about it. I never doubted it. Because this is what I felt like God told me to do. And as I started moving in this direction, everybody else confirmed it. I just saw miracle after miracle after miracle. I had an assurance in my heart. And it's, you know, Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's not hard when the Lord is one calling the shots. There's probably some of you that came here this weekend and you're praying, man, I just need a word from God. I need something because, man, I'm, I can't handle the stress. I can't deal with this. And this may not be the word you were looking for, but I believe that this is a word from God. 
that what you need to do is not worry so much about these external things and what the world calls success, but it just needs to come back to my definition of success is just having a vibrant relationship with God and then accomplishing whatever it is that he tells you to do. And if he doesn't tell you to do anything, then you're a success by just having a relationship with him. You know, I had, I was on the radio back in the eighties and nineties and I had a woman in Huntsville, Texas, who was in prison for murder. And I don't know all of the details, but she heard me on the radio and I was teaching on something that I call, uh, uh, blessing the Lord. And I was talking about that. That doesn't mean that you just say, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. It's not repeating the words that may not bless the Lord, but God is a person. And when you say, Father, I love you, and when you give your life to him, and when you are worshiping him, it blesses him. Just the same way as your kids. I had my son one time say, Dad, you're a good dad. He didn't say, bless you, Dad. He just said, you're a good dad. And you know what that did? It blessed me to hear my four-year-old son say, you're a good dad. I believe God feels that same way about us. He loved you enough that he died for you. And we use that terminology, but really very few people have understood. I don't think it's possible for us to completely understand God Almighty leaving heaven, becoming a man and dying for you. It's beyond our comprehension to understand all he went through, but He loved you that much. God so loved the world that he gave. And the Lord is passionate about you. And when you just say, Father, I love you, that blesses him. That blesses him more than the things you do. I'm not saying that you can't bless God by also doing the right things and serving him. But I'm saying God wants your heart. If he gets your heart, he's going to get all of your actions. He's going to get your money. He's going to get everything that you've got. God is after your heart. And there's people that substitute service and doing things for actually having the heart of the Lord. And that's not success. I've met people who are called to ministry, which is an awesome thing to do, but they don't, they haven't given God their heart. And I know some of you think, well, how could that happen? It can happen. I was interviewing Arthur today on our inside story. And Arthur's testimony is that as a pastor in South Africa, he was sitting there with a gun cocked, ready to kill himself. And he was a full gospel faith pastor, but he was just trying to perform and to do instead of knowing God. That's the reason he's got a book about knowing God and experiencing God. And the Lord finally spoke to him and he started experiencing God and it changed his whole life. But here he was as a pastor And he was doing all of the right things, but I guarantee you it's not satisfying. There's some of you that you can't understand what's wrong because you're doing everything right. But have you, does God really have your heart? Do you really love God, fellowship with God? There's a difference. It says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, God's kind of love, it profits me nothing. If I have all faith so that I could move mountains, if I understand everything, if I have the gift of prophecy and if I can do all of these things and don't have God's kind of love, it profits me nothing. 
If I give all of my goods to feed the poor and if I even yield my body to be burned and don't do it by God's kind of love, it profits me nothing. Those verses are saying exactly the same point I'm trying to get across. You can, you can be straight as a gun barrel and twice as empty. You can be doing everything right and just be like on autopilot and not doing it from your heart, not doing it motivated by love. And it profits you nothing. It might bless somebody else, but it is not profiting you. It's not blessing you. I'm telling you, brothers, it's all about our personal relationship with God. Success isn't things. It's not accomplishments. It's relationship. And God is going to put us into different places. God doesn't want everybody to be on television. God doesn't want everybody to be a preacher. You know, this is one of the things we try and get across in our school. Man, I, I esteem the ministry. It's, to me, the greatest thing in the world. If they were to ask me to be president, which nobody is, but if they were to ask me, I wouldn't step down and lower myself to become president. Man, I think this is the greatest thing. I would rather do what I'm doing I'd a thousand times rather be doing what I'm doing than to be president. Man, I think it's awesome. So I'm not belittling the ministry, but we're trying to tell everybody that not everybody's going to be called into the ministry. You know, we need people in the business world. We need people that are trash collectors who feel that this is what God put them for to witness to those people that he's going to be dealing with. We need people working in stores. We need people that are housewives that are just home and helping their children and raising up the next generation instead of farming them out to somebody else. We need people that are in every walk of life and we're trying to get that across. Our third, our third year program has been diversified into five different schools and I've actually got seven that I've thought of and we're in the process of implementing them one by one, but we've got five different areas that we're trying to push people and not all of them are ministry. We've got a business track and we, we're doing things that are not all about ministry. We've got a media track, teaching people how to develop websites and how to help do videos and help people. The people that put me on television, did you know that Stephen Bransford, the guy who is my television guy, his dad was a Pentecostal preacher and he always wanted Stephen to be a Pentecostal preacher. And there was friction between them because Stephen just wasn't cut out to be a preacher. He went to Bible college and got kicked out. <laughs> and Stephen just, I don't know, he just doesn't have that temperament or whatever. And anyway, his dad was always disappointed. And I've tried to get across to Stephen that Stephen, I can't do what I'm doing if it wasn't for you. And I mean, I could go on and on about Stephen, but Stephen is anointed by God. He has a supernatural anointing on his life to know television and to know how to tell a story and how to package my ministry. And I mean, he's anointed. And I've told Stephen a hundred times, I said, I, every single person I minister to, you are just as much in the ministry and ministering to these people as I am. The people that clean the toilets in our facility. Did you know God gave us a beautiful facility and if we just let it go to pot and don't take care of it, that's not a good steward. God wouldn't give us things if that's the way we're going to treat it. Here's a little parenthetical phrase. Remember where I'm headed. But there's some of you praying for a brand new car, praying for a new house, 
praying for all this stuff. Why would God give you anything else when you've trashed what you've already got? You got French fries under the seat. You got, you can't even see the floor and yet you're praying for a new vehicle to trash. God's not going to give you something nice until you take care of what you got. And likewise, if we don't take care of the facility, you know what? God wouldn't have given us this facility. God wouldn't have had people laid it on their hearts to participate and be a part of this if we weren't taking care of it. So therefore the ladies that mop the floor and clean the toilets, they are in the ministry. They are helping me steward what God has given me. And every single person to the, to the people that clean the toilets, mop the floors, our security people, man, it's important what we're doing. Every single person in this ministry is in full-time ministry. And yet sometimes see people think, well, I'm in ministry, but they look at all of these other people and think, well, why don't you do something important? I have to have all of these people. We got, I think it's 270 employees here in the U.S. alone. And I need every one of those people to do what I'm doing. And I don't care if they're putting CDs in an envelope, if they're putting labels on or whatever, every bit of that, every person is in ministry. They are doing something that's affecting people's lives. And they may never be the movers and shakers. Somebody may never come interview them to be on 60 minutes or what, what is it? Is that what they call it? 60 minutes? I've never seen it. I've heard about it. And they may, you know, they may never be the ones that get interviewed, but I'm guaranteeing you it's all important. And we, we just need to redefine what success is. It's all about knowing God and then just yielding to him and doing whatever it is that he tells you to do. And so you don't have any pressure on you to succeed. All of the pressure is on God. It's just, God, I love you. Here I am. I'm a living sacrifice. What do you want me to do? And when you look at it that way, it takes all of the pressure off of you. And I can guarantee you, if God's got you cleaning toilets, if he's got you doing whatever it is, if God tells you to do it, then you're a success. Look at this passage of scripture over in... um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is Paul talking about, uh, they were having a dispute. Some saying, I'm of Paul, some I'm of Apollos, some I'm of Cephas, and some I'm of Christ. And he was rebuking them and saying, man, you shouldn't be following people like this and stuff. And he says, now I'm the one that brought the gospel to you and I've laid a foundation and, the, and here's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and in verse 11, he says, For other found, or let's back up to verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. He lists uh, six different building materials. Three of them are precious metals that can endure a fire. The others are wood, hay, and stubble, things that will burn in a fire. And so this is comparable. The, The gold, silver, and precious stones is all comparable about godly works, things that were directed and ordered by God the wood, hay, and stubble are, are uh, our own works. And let me, I'm going to read on here in just a minute, but let me say that this doesn't necessarily mean it's bad things. This doesn't mean that you're out just, you know, 
uh, committing adultery, lying, stealing, and doing. It's just talking about your effort. All of your effort is like wood, hay, and stubble. It's the flesh, your own natural ability. In a way, I feel sorry for those of you that have all of this talent and ability. Some of you are thinking, why is that? Because it's easy for you to build out of your own wood, hay, and stubble because you are just so talented and so gifted. One of the benefits of not having great talents and ability is that it makes you dependent upon God. Are you still in 1 Corinthians? Look at this in chapter 1. I'm going to come back, believe it or not. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, look at this. It says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are not, or excuse me, things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. And here's the reason he did that, that no flesh should glory in his presence. This is talking about the kind of people that God chooses. He chooses the weak. He chooses the base things, the weak things, the things that are not, the things that are nobody's. You know why he does that? It's not that he's against people that have their act together. If you've got great talent and if you are just a brilliant person and you've got all of these natural talents and abilities, God loves you every bit as much as he loves anybody who has no talents and abilities. But the reason he chooses these weak and base and beggarly things of the world is because the people who realize that God, I can't do it, they look to him and they trust him and he gets the glory. But most of the time, people that have all of these talents, thank God, I can handle it from here. And they do it their own way. That's wood, hay, and stubble. That's what he's talking about in this example over here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And so he said in verse 13, he says, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So if you could just imagine these two buildings here, one of them is built out of metal and a fire comes and you know what? It's able to withstand the fire. The other one is built out of wood, hay and stubble that are very combustible. A fire hits it and it's gone. And he says that every one of us, when we stand before the Lord, the Lord is going to try our works, whether they were ordered by God, whether they were gold, silver, and precious stones, or whether it was our own works, wood, hay, and stubble. And notice it says that the fire is going to try it of uh, every man's work of what sort it is, not what size it is. That's huge. That's a big difference right here. God's not going to look at you and say, how many people did you reach? How, what, how, many, how much money did you make? How many awards did you win? Were you the best at everything you did? God's not going to look at the size of everything that you did. He's going to look at the sort, the kind, whether it was from God, whether it was directed by God, or whether it's your own effort. That's huge. That's big. And you know what? God's called me to do something. I'm on television. We have 3.2 billion people on this planet that can hear my program every single day. 
But I believe that there's going to be little ladies that, you know, God called them to raise their family and to love their husband and to love their kids and to love their grandkids. And they didn't have the same size of work. But you know what? They, they will do a thousand times better job fulfilling what God told them to do than what I've done fulfilling what God called me to do. And I believe that there's going to be some of these no-name people that the world passes over as being insignificant. And man, when we stand before the Lord and God sets a fire <laughs> to our works, there's going to be people like me and others that, man, a lot of our stuff gets burnt. But there's going to be some of these people that the world passes over and they did exactly what God told them to do and they are going to shine bright. Boy, they are going to have praise. We're going to totally redo all of our thinking about who's a success and what success is. And the reason I'm telling you this, guys, is because it's, it, we don't have to wait until we stand before the Lord and stand there with all of our great trophies and awards that we won in the world sitting there in ashes and standing next to some little lady over here who's just shining and, man, she's doing all of this and you are embarrassed. Man, we can make an adjustment now. We can change our, what we consider to be a success. We can focus our attention on the Lord, sell our life out and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? What have you called me to do? And even before you get to that step about what you do, it's first of all, God, here am I as a living sacrifice. And you first of all establish that relationship with God. And then once that's established, you don't even have to ask what he wants you to do. He will guide you. He will, he will use you. Like I said, you don't ever have to pray, God, use me. He wants to use you. He's got a purpose for every one of our lives. You don't have to beg him to do something and to open up a door. You just come to know him. And I promise you, as you get usable, God will move heaven and earth to put you in a place where you can be a blessing and he can use you to accomplish something and bless people. Isn't that powerful? That's awesome. Look over here in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. That's the verse I'm wanting you to see, but the context of it There it says in verse uh, 13, it says, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he may divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, made who made me a judge or a divider over you? Did you know I've had people come to me and ask this exact same thing? Say that our family's fighting over the inheritance. Would you please pray with me that I'll get my share of the inheritance? Jesus said, he, he wouldn't enter into that. He says, that is not my job. This is not my deal to help you get ahead and help you succeed. And then here's the warning that he gave him in verse 15. He said unto him, he says, take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Man, that's something that needs to be shouted from the housetops in the United States today because basically people are saying that this is what success is. This is what happiness and peace is all about is having all of these things. The more you've got, the more happy you are. 
Man, I don't know how anybody that listens to any news can understand, can believe that. You look at some of these people, you know, when the so-called Great Recession hit, some of these billionaires and people that were just floating in money started committing suicide because they started losing these assets. It didn't give them peace. It didn't give them security. I'm telling you, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. That's the words of Jesus right here. Again, success is just about relationship with God. And if you have a relationship with God and don't have two pennies to rub together, you are richer than the man who's driving the Mercedes and is so miserable that he can't enjoy it. You're richer than the person who lives in a multi-million dollar mansion and yet there's just strife and anger and bitterness going on. This ought to be obvious to us, and yet it's amazing that we just really, I think that the church has been so influenced by our secular world. We've been influenced more than we've influenced our secular world. And many of us have just adopted all of this wrong thinking. And I'm telling you, there's some of you that are feeling like you aren't a success, and yet I believe that you are a greater success than people that are living in the multi-million dollar mansions and getting their picture on the magazines and stuff like this. You know, we're coming up to the Academy Awards, I think. I heard something on the radio about that today. I don't follow it, but I think we're doing, they, they name the potential nominees and stuff. And man, people just think this is awesome. It makes me want to just throw up. <laughs> like we're honoring these people that if you took their, there's some of them that may be godly people, but as a general rule, you take all of the actors and all of these people that the world is just oohing and on over and they have the red carpet and they just take pictures. And I mean, there's thousands, millions of people watching in and watching all of this. You take their collective morality and put it into a thimble and it would be nearly empty. They don't marry each other. They sleep around. They are endorsing everything that God is against. And they're against everything that God is for. And yet they're the ones that get their pictures on the paper. They're the ones that have all of these things. They, the paparazzi or however you say that follows them around and takes their pictures. And they walk right past people who God values. Over in 1 Samuel chapter 2, I believe it's around verse 30 something. The Lord was talking to, to uh, Eli and he said, I said that your father's house would endure forever and that they would be priests forever. But he says, I'm changing that because he says, those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. Today, we have people, uh, you know, politicians, movie stars, athletes, who are denying God, who are God haters, who are against everything that God's for. And they are the ones that are being promoted and lifted up as a success. And yet I guarantee you, God does not esteem them. I believe God, there's people right here in this room that God esteems much more than the president of the United States, much more than the Super Bowl victors, much more than all of these other things. And I'm telling you, we need to just totally reevaluate what is a success. A success is having a relationship with God and then doing what He leads you to do. And if you are doing that, you are highly praised, prized by God. God loves you and God considers those things.
Amen. Here's another scripture I want you to look at is in uh, Matthew, or excuse me, Mark chapter 8, verse 36. And he said, for whosoever will save his life, excuse me, that's verse 35, but that's a good one too. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for the sake, for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. You know, I don't think that this is talking about you losing your salvation. I mean, I guess that could happen. A person just totally seek all of these things, but you could, you could still be saved and headed to heaven. But if you are just seeking, it's all about you and you satisfying your desires. If you aren't a living sacrifice, but instead you're trying to use God to get everything that you want, then you know what? You're going to wind up losing everything. You're going to lose your life. The real satisfaction in life is in learning that there's somebody bigger than you. There's something more important than your agenda and making an unconditional surrender to God, running up a white flag, turning your life over as a living sacrifice. And when you do that, you know, some of you are fearful thinking, man, if I did that, I'd never have another joy in my life. My God is going to just do terrible things in my life. It's the opposite. I don't know how to explain this, but when you give your life over to God and say, God, I'll give up anything. I'll, I'll walk away from it. I'm going to put you and your will ahead of anything else. When you do that, there is such a contentment. This is what God made you for. It's how he created us to be. He gave us the freedom to choose a different path, but it's the wrong choice. The right path is to be absolutely, totally committed to God. And when you do that, there is such a satisfaction and contentment that comes in your life. Nothing else can even compete with it. And I just know that there's some men sitting right here in this room that you've never really known that total satisfaction of being one with the Lord, being in a position to where God, everything I've got's yours. You don't have any part of your life that is closed off and separated, but God, I want you to have every single thing I've got. And you may be afraid to do that, but I'm telling you, that's the thing that will really, really satisfy you. And then in verse 36, he says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What a powerful statement. And so as we begin to start talking about how to be a success, I'm going to get into how you actually physically accomplish things that God wants you to do. But I really wanted to emphasize in the beginning and just try and redefine what success is. It's not what you accomplish. It's not all of these things out here. It's all about your personal relationship with the Lord. And then whatever he speaks to you, you just follow it and do it. That is being a success. What good would it do you to win all of the accolades of the world and not have joy and peace on the inside? You know, I can't get inside everybody's head, but I think that this is why some people who are these musicians and they have all of the money that you could possibly need in a lifetime. They've got all of the fame and yet they commit suicide because they, found, they thought that that was all going to make them happy. And then they get all of this external stuff and find out that it's not success. 
Success is having a relationship with God. That's what God created us for. You're programmed for that. Every one of us is programmed for that. And I'm telling you that some of you may be on that treadmill chasing after all of these things that you think is going to make you successful and make you happy. And, and you don't feel that now, but you keep thinking that if I could just obtain this, if I could get a bigger house, a bigger car, more rewards, if I could accomplish more, if I could look better in comparison to other people, then you think that's going to make you happy. I'm just telling you in advance, that's not going to do it. It's not about what you do out there. It's about your personal relationship with God. And the good news is that this is what Jesus died to produce in you. This is what he wants. He wants you. He wants relationship with you more than you want relationship with him. I believe this is why he led me to talk about this because there's some people here that you're chasing after all the wrong things when what you need to be doing is just totally yielding yourself, turning yourself over to the Lord. And you do that, I guarantee you, it is going to begin a process in your life. And as you develop that relationship with the Lord, he will start entrusting you with things. He'll show you what his will for your life is. And then you just obey and you will see success in the things that you do. You will prosper. But that is not success. Success is your relationship with God and then just following him, whatever he tells you to do. And that will result in all of these other things. But you don't ever take your attention away from the main thing. The main thing is just knowing God. Amen. And you know, as you do this, there's just so many benefits to it. For one thing, if you didn't have the stress of you doing everything by your own wood, hay and stubble and trying to build it. And if you were able to sleep at night and if you had joy, the Bible says a merry heart does good like a medicine. Did you know some of your physical problems would disappear by just the peace that's in your life? I had a guy that was an associate with me, one of my very best friends, and he had a problem where he had high blood pressure and he could tell something was wrong. His eyes were hurting. He could feel his pulse. And so he went to Walmart and checked his, his uh, blood pressure. And I think it was 200 and something over 150 or 60. It was really bad. And the lady at Walmart said, you better go to the doctor. And so he went to the doctor and they started telling him he had to change his diet. He had to start exercising. And this guy became so fanatical. He ate so many carrots and drank carrot juice. He turned orange, (laughs) didn't he? People that were here and knew him, he turned orange. His skin turned orange and he ate this fish and he brought one of these little grills to the office and he had to grill this fish and the smell was atrocious. I had to finally tell him, no, you can't do it. And anyway, he bought a treadmill and put it in his office. And I mean, he, every moment he had, he was on that treadmill and he just became fanatical and he got his blood pressure down and things started doing better. And one day I was walking by and I was looking at him and I said, Don, what are you doing? And he says, well, I'm in here. And I said, you know, you are just a fanatic about all this stuff. He says, you need to do this. You need to quit eating those hamburgers and French fries and you need to take care of yourself. And he got on my case and I said, I think I'm doing just fine. And he, he started preaching to me. He says, you sit down here. I'm going to take your blood pressure. And so I said, now I've been walking around. That's not like I was stationary or anything. 
And he took my blood pressure and I think it was 118 over 60 or something, 65. And he got so mad, he threw the stuff on the floor. And he says, you eat all this stuff, you do these things. And he says, and your blood pressure is lower than mine will ever be. And he says, it's not fair. But see, he was just looking at all of these physical things. And I said, Don, the one thing that I do that you don't is I don't ever get upset over anything. I said, man, I have constant peace. The peace of God rules in my heart. And I said, I'm happy. And see, most people don't understand how beneficial these spiritual things are. They're only looking at the physical, natural realm, trying to find an organic reason for every problem. And I'm not saying that you ignore the physical realm, but the scripture says that a merry heart does good like a medicine. That peace and all of these kind of things are how he will keep your hearts and mind. It says people's hearts are failing them for fear, looking after the things that come on the world. Man, if you're operating in love, perfect love will cast out fear and you'll be healthier. These things that we're talking about, this will change your health. It'll change your marriage. Some of you are praying that your marriage will be saved and stuff. And you know what? You're just as mean as a snake. And you aren't giving God anything to work with. And if you were to just turn your life over to the Lord and say, God, forgive me. And I just want to know you. He would reveal himself to you. And as you begin to start being like him, if your wife was living with Jesus, she'd change. Some of you are praying that your mate would change and what really needs to happen is you need to change. It's witchcraft to try and just make other people change. That's the way that the devil operates. God doesn't force people to do stuff. The best thing you can do for your marriage is you change. You start being like Jesus. You get in union with the Lord and get to where you are so full of love. And I guarantee you that will change your mate. It will change your children. It will change your job. It will change everything. It would affect every area of your life. There's nothing that wouldn't be affected if you were just truly in relationship with God the way he wants you to be. If you were to take advantage of this and put the priority on just knowing God. And brothers, it can happen. You know, I'm going to be sharing a lot. I need to quit tonight. I don't ever get through. I just quit and we'll take up tomorrow. But I'm going to be sharing a lot with you. And some of you think that that's just an unobtainable goal. How do I do it? I would love to do it, but I don't know how to do it. It's not that hard. I was 18 years old when God showed me these truths that I've been sharing with you tonight. And in a moment's time, I just ran up the white flag and surrendered and said, God, I'm turning my life over to you. And I didn't know where it would lead me. And I didn't know all of the benefits like I'm describing them tonight. But I just knew that this was my reasonable service, that this was not abnormal. This is what every person should do. And when I committed myself to the Lord like that, I tell you, my life began to change so dramatically. I mean, it's amazing. Things begin to happen that there's no way I could have made them happen. Just like my mother said, I'm not smart enough to do it. I would have had to have backslid on God to keep from doing what I'm doing right now and be where I am and seeing God do things. You turn your life over. You just express the desire and say, God, I'm making this commitment. Then I guarantee you, it just unleashes the power of God in your life. It will begin to change everything. You will begin to start seeing circumstances change that are way outside of you. Things, it's not up to you to change them, but God will start 
changing things. You'll find things will change at your work. Job opportunities will change. Everything works better. When a person seeks the Lord first, you put first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6, 33, then all of these other things will be added unto you. And he was specifically talking about what you eat, where you sleep, and what you're clothed with. I believe we could add to it what you drive and all of these kind of things. God will take care of you if you will just put first the kingdom of God and personal relationship with God. It'll change everything else. So I want to give an invitation for a number of things tonight. I know that there's people that came here and they are needing healing in their body. And we have prayer ministers that are going to be praying with people. But you know, the very first thing I want to do is just say that if you have never really run up this white flag and made an unconditional, absolute surrender of your life to the Lord, you need to do that. Now you could be born again. I was already born again at eight years of age. But when I was 18, God confronted me with, I wasn't a living sacrifice. I hadn't yielded myself to him and to the best of my ability, I did. And I didn't do it perfectly. You can't do it perfectly. There's some people think, all right, I'm going to make this unconditional surrender and I'll never have another problem. You're human. You are going to have problems, but you can make the decision that this is what I want. And God, I'm turning my life over to you. And as much as you can, you submit yourself tonight. And then tomorrow he'll minister something else to you and you, you'll submit as he shows that to you. And the rest of your life, you will be yielding to him, but you can make the decision to do that. And God is a gentleman. He will not force any person to do this. You have to do it. If you go back to that Romans chapter 12, he says, I beseech you, meaning that you have the choice, the decision in this. I beseech you that you yield your body as a living sacrifice. You're the one that has to do it. It's up to you. You have to give yourself to the Lord without reservation. He won't force it. It's not a sacrifice if it's taken. It has to be given freely. And so I just want to ask those of you in here, and, and I know that m many people are used to everybody bow their head and close their eyes because you don't want anybody to see, but I'm asking you to be a man. Amen. I'm asking you just to say, you know what? I haven't done this, but tonight I recognize that this is what I need to do. I need to quit building my life out of wood, hay, and stubble, and I need to start making it all what God is telling me to do and, and quit asking God to bless my thing and just get in line with what he's doing. If you haven't done that, I'd like to give you an invitation tonight to just make that commitment and start this process. It says over in the book of Timothy, he says he's faithful and just to keep that which you commit. No committing, no keeping. You have to commit and then God will remind you of it and hold you to it and bring it back to your remembrance. But he won't force you to do this. God will let you go through your entire life running your own life. But I promise you it's the wrong decision. And you will regret it probably in this life. But if not in this life, someday when we stand before the Lord and every man's work is tried by fire, man, I don't want to be up there with all of my stuff just turned into ashes. I want it to be things that God has directed me to do. And this is a wonderful time. 
I believe this is why God people, God brought people here is so that we can make a decision and make an adjustment and begin to start building with the right materials and something that will last rather than be just, you know, devastated when we stand before the Lord. So if that's you, and if you would say, you know what, I need to make that decision. I haven't done it, but, but tonight I'm going to begin the process. If that's you, I just want you to be bold enough to stand right where you are, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer of commitment, and we are going to commit our lives to God. This does not mean that you're never going to fail. Because you can't, you can't live up to never failing. But it means that you're saying, God, I want you to absolutely control my life. I want to be a living sacrifice. I want to quit trying to get you to do my thing. And I want to learn your thing and then just follow you and do it. Anybody else? If that's you, I want you to be bold enough to stand. I'm going to pray this won't work if you're seated. You got to stand. The Bible says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. Man, these are people that love you. These are people that came here for a men's conference. We're all looking for God to do something in our life. If you can't stand in front of people like this, you'll never stand on your job. You'll never stand when you go back into your situation. This is the least thing. It's not hard. I'm just asking you to just stand up among people that'll clap when you stand. And they're for you. But you need to do something. Faith without works is dead. And I'm just asking you to stand. I just know in my heart that there are some people that hadn't stood yet. And you're thinking about it. Somebody's thinking, well, this is a big decision on short notice. Let me think about it. What is your thinking about it done for you all of these years? Amen. You don't need to think about it and debate it. You need to strike while the iron's hot. If God has touched your heart, if you've been listening to me tonight thinking, you know what, I don't think I've done that. You ought to be standing and you ought to be making this decision right now. You don't need to think about it. You'll talk yourself out of it. You'll let the devil talk you out of it. If God's tugging at your heart, you need to just respond right now. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. And I'm telling you, this is a hard decision in one way. It's the best decision. You, if you truly mean it, I guarantee you, you will begin to start experiencing a love, a joy, and a peace from God that you've never had. But Satan is going to fight you over this. You have been heading in one direction and to turn around and go 180 degrees in the other direction. Uh, there may be a few things in your life that get jostled. It may be a little hard on you, but it's a good decision. It's the right decision. And the Holy Spirit will help you and give you wisdom to be able to fulfill this. He will keep that which you commit. Amen. So let's pray. And I want all the rest of you to agree with us as we pray and just make this commitment. Father, I pray for all my brothers here. And I thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for this, these truths that I've talked about tonight. I pray that, Father, every one of these men readjust our definition of what success is and that we quit just looking at things and fame and prosperity. And, Father, we believe that success is knowing you, that that's eternal life, is knowing you. 
And we want to know you. Father, we say that we don't know you the way that we want to. We want to know you more. We are opening up our hearts and to the best of our ability right now, we are making ourselves a living sacrifice. We crawl up on the altar and we say, do with us what you want to do. All of our plans, all of our ambitions, everything we own, everything we dream about, we just give you all of it, Father. And we want you We want your will for us. We want a revelation of what your will for us is. And so, Father, we lay ourselves there and we're asking for the fire of God to fall from heaven right now and consume every single heart of the people who are standing. Father, I thank you that you are lighting a fire right now that the love And the joy and the peace, the acceptance of Almighty God begins to flow in our life. That all of the hurt and the rejection, fear would be gone. That this perfect love would cast out fear. Father, I just believe that right now your power and anointing is falling upon people's lives. And that you are changing hearts. And that we are going to leave this place totally different. Father, with a brand new zeal, a brand new love for you, a brand new relationship with you that all of our priorities would be shuffled and reestablished the way that you do it. That, Father, we would go home to our wives, a different man. That, Father, they would, they would have to ask us, what has happened to you? Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray that the people we work with, they would say, what has happened to you? That there would be a new joy that, Father, you just change our hearts. We open up our hearts and ask you to do radical surgery on us and help us just to come to know you, believing that if we do that, then the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God will come to pass in our life. So, Father, we make this commitment to you tonight, and we believe that you are going to keep us to it, that you'll hold us to it, that you'll remind us of this. And, Father, I thank you for it. We agree and we receive that and thank you that, Father, you are going to remind people that this will make a difference in every single man's life who is standing here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you in advance for the way that this is going to change people's lives. Hallelujah. Let's just praise God. Hallelujah. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. You can be seated. I can tell you based on what happened to me when I did that, and there's many men in here that have done the same thing, I guarantee you, it's going to just transform your life. So get ready for it. Amen. I believe you're going to feel different even this weekend, that you're going to be receptive to the word that Arthur has to share, that that all of us are going to be sharing. It will make a difference and you are going to see a difference in your life. You know, I want to give an invitation because I had three or four people come up to me who came with critical uh, things to be healed of. And we want to minister to you. You know, I had a man come up to me tonight. I think his name was Rick. If, if he's here, I'd, I'd appreciate it if he had identified himself. But he told me that he and his wife, I think it was a year ago on January the 7th, saw me on television. Is that you? Come up here real quick and give this testimony because this will build people's faith for um, receiving a healing. So uh, use this microphone right here. 
tell them what happened to you and your wife. Awesome. On January the 7th of 2013, uh, my wife was in bed uh, suffering with severe arthritis in her knees and her elbows and her back. And she was a big football fan. We wanted to watch the football game that day. There was a small game being played, and University of Alabama was in it. And being from Alabama, that was a big deal. <laughs> She'd been taking pain medication, the maximum amount you could take over-the-counter pain medication every day for months and months and months and months and months. And it was becoming more difficult to walk, more difficult to, to move her arms. And as she was laying in bed, resting, trying to get enough strength to sit through the ball game, I'm channel surfing and came across your broadcast. And by the time I could get her into the study to see it, it was over. But fortunately, I found your website. God sent us straight to it. We played that again. It was about the believer's authority, and it was... It was talking about the authority we had to speak to mountains in our life. And we sat there and we listened to that together. And she had tears rolling down her cheeks and I said, what do you think? She said, we have to do this. And so we sat facing each other in chairs holding hands and it was awkward the first time I did it. Two times in a very short period of time I had to stop because I found myself praying to God rather than speaking and taking authority over this arthritis. Two times. It was awkward. But, but we did it. And nothing happened. And she didn't move. And, and I, I peeped. I looked at her. And she's gripping my hands. And her eyes are closed. And I said, honey, you're, you're not standing up. And she said, I'm afraid. And God put it in my spirit right then to rebuke and renounce that fear and that doubt in the name of Jesus. And this is what we had heard. And we just did it. And she took a deep breath, and she stood up, and her jaw dropped, and her eyes flew open. And this woman started doing this. Look, 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 no pain. Glory to God. She runs out of my house, dressed in night clothes, to get to the outside stairs and run up and down the stairs, singing glory to God. I did not tell Andrew this part, but as she left the house to go out and hit the outside stairs and run up and down the stairs... The only thing I knew to do was just just lie prone in the floor. I was face down in the floor thanking God. She runs back in the house, sees me and screams because she thought I'd had a heart attack. And I... <laughs> Our lives changed that night because of what we heard you say. And since then we've seen arterial plaque disappear, we've seen tumors disappear. We've seen pains of all kind disappear now, not eventually, now. And we just, we praise God for it, and we can't thank you enough for what you do. Please don't stop. Amen. I won't. I won't. Isn't that awesome? And you know, most Christians only know how to receive from God through some kind of an anointing, a special anointing on a person. And you come up and, oh, the anointing's here. The power's flowing and stuff. And that happens. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I'm saying that is not the only way to receive from God. You can just find out that by his stripes you were healed. Take your authority. But this comes through knowing God. It's not through psyching yourself up and getting a hundred people to pray or a thousand people to pray. It's just simple 
resting in God. What Arthur was talking about today, you just find this rest where God's already done it. And I'm telling you, I know that there's people here that need a miracle right now. If that's you, I want you to come forward. Are you coming for a miracle? Sir, my name is Rick Abello. Tim Abello is my brother. Yep. Monday I was diagnosed with colon cancer. I go under the surgery Thursday. They said it's in three spots. No and, problem. And I don't believe it. And I know God's way bigger than that. It's not even a fair fight. Amen. <laughs> Just diagnosed with colon cancer. Somebody else came up to me tonight and you had stage four cancer just last year. Is that right here? This man had stage four. Was that last year at the men's advance? Okay, but it was a year ago. This man had stage four cancer and here he is totally healed. Stand up and show him how to heal. Totally healed. Isn't that awesome? So if you need prayer, just like our brother right here, I want you to come forward right now and we're going to be praying for you and we're going to believe God for miracles to happen right now. You need prayer for anything, come forward. We're going to take our authority and this same power that worked for Rick's wife and work for this man with his cancer is going to work for you. And we're going to see people miraculously healed. I just prayed with a guy right here in this room on Wednesday who had something, I forget what it was, but it was some kind of an autoimmune problem. Step forward so that more people can come. And I prayed with him on Wednesday and he'd had this problem his entire life. He was, I don't know how old, but at least 30, maybe 40 years old. And he just, all of a sudden, all of the symptoms begin to start leaving. That's going to happen for y'all. Those seizures are over, Raymond. Amen. Raymond's been standing and taking his authority and he's doing a lot better than he ever has. But you had a seizure this week or something I heard. And praise God, we're just going to stop those things completely. Amen. Come forward. Just squeeze in here. Praise the Lord. Awesome. You know, I'm just not physically able to lay hands on every one of you, but the good news is I don't have to. Jesus is the one that heals you. And you just heard Rick's testimony. He and his wife just took their authority and spoke. I wasn't present. It wasn't me. It's Jesus. Jesus is the healer and Jesus is on the inside of every one of you. He's here with us and I'm going to lead us in prayer. And as we release our faith, I just want you to believe that Jesus is touching you. And I want you to do exactly what Rick was talking about. Don't just pray and ask God to heal you. Believe that God has healed you. You take your authority And if any two of us agree on earth, it's done. And I want you to not just pray and then wait to see what happens. You pray and believe that you receive when you pray and then you start acting on it. If you don't, if you have a pain in your body, poke it. Amen. (laughs) Hit it. Do something. If you don't feel like moving, then start moving and you start taking some steps of faith and we are going to see people set free right here. Amen. Let's everybody stand up and just stretch your hands this way and let's agree. And I believe we are going to see people's lives changed right here in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father. We thank you for every one of these that you love every single man. That there is nothing that has happened in their life that wasn't already paid for through the atonement of the Lord Jesus that you've already purchased healing for every single one of us. 
And thank you that you don't hold back healing, that it's not based on us doing everything right, that this is the children's bread, that Father, you want us to be well. By your stripes, we were healed. So we just put ourselves in agreement. They've taken a step of faith. They've come forward. Here we are praying. And you said in James chapter five that the prayer of faith would save the sick. Father, I'm praying in faith that Jesus and what he has done is manifesting itself in our bodies right now. Satan, we take authority over you. We command sickness and disease to go right now. We break your dominion. We command you to loose them and to let them go right now. Cancer, you be gone. You die. We use the authority of our words. It says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And we speak death to cancer. We speak death to tumors, to heart disease, to diabetes, to high blood pressure, to all kinds of things, pains, back problems, seizures. We curse these things and we say that you are dead. Sickness and disease, infection, you have no power. We negate you right now in the name of Jesus and command you to leave and to let us go. And we speak life over us right now and say that these bodies are recovering. And here's people's stomachs being healed. All kinds of digestive problems are being healed. Somebody's being healed of hemorrhoids right now. You know, I believe that there's some people watching by the uh, live streaming right now. The Lord just spoke to me. Somebody at home is being healed of hemorrhoids right now. Here's the healing power of God. Father, I just release this. We command ears to open. Somebody's hearing. Somebody who did not come forward because you've had hearing problems so long, you've just adjusted to them. Here's your ears opening right now. You lay hands on your ears and in the name of Jesus, those ears are opening. We command deafness to be gone and we command perfect hearing to come back. Somebody who had tinnitus in your ears and stuff that is healed right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Thank you for healing hearts right now. Eyes, we command eyes to see clearly. Floaters be gone now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those blood vessels heal in the name of Jesus. Macular degeneration be gone. Cataracts, glaucoma, we rebuke you, command you to be gone right now in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Somebody's lungs are being healed right now. Man, lungs are being healed. Somebody who's damaged your lungs with smoking and things like that. Here's the healing power of God right now flowing through your lungs. Bronchitis, asthma's being healed. All kinds of allergies are being healed right now. Thank you, Jesus. You know, if I'm calling out something that you've got, you just need to reach out and take it and say, that's me. I believe I'm speaking what the Holy Spirit's giving me. And it's just to confirm and encourage you that God's healing you. Here's people's knees being healed right now. Somebody who's blown out your knees. Here's the healing power of God right now. You can begin to move around and this swelling is going to leave. Bone on bone problems in knees, hips, things like that are healed. Backs are being healed. All kinds of problems with spines. Um, disc in your back. Nerve problems are being healed. I tell you, whatever it is that you need is being healed. God's healing everything. 
Man, the anointing of God, the presence of the Lord. There's a scripture that says the power of the Lord was present to heal. Mark chapter two, that's here, right in this auditorium, whether you came down here or not. Here's the anointing of God flowing towards you and God's healing people. And you just receive it. Don't be passive. Reach out and say, it's mine. I'm healed. This problem is over. You use your own mouth and talk to your body. Say, pain, you leave me now. Disease, you be gone. Body parts, whatever it is, you be healed. Command you to work right. Function normally in the name of Jesus. Somebody down here is praying for your wife. It's not you. You're praying for your wife. Here's the anointing of God right now through your faith going right to your wife right now. God's touching her. If she's watching by the live streaming or not, it doesn't matter. But the anointing of God is going to her right now and touching her. I command healing to come into that body right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Boy, the Lord's just touching so many, many things. Thank you, Heavenly Father. And somebody here's had real sinus problems and drainage. Here's the anointing of God just setting you free from that right now. Teeth problems. Somebody's got ulcers in your mouth. I don't know if ulcers is the right word, but you've got uh, blister type things in your mouth that have been painful. Here's the healing power of the Lord right now. I curse those things, command them to shrink, to go. Whatever is causing that, we command the infection to be gone. And Father, we just thank you that it's done. We receive this in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody who's had trouble with your neck, stiff neck, pain in your neck. Here's the anointing of God flowing right now, healing whatever it is that caused this pain in your neck. It's gone. Shoulder problems are gone. You're going to be able to lift your hands right now. Just begin to lift your hands. Here's the healing power of God. Move those arms in ways that you couldn't do it before. Here's the anointing of God flowing through you right now. And as you move, this pain is leaving you. Your movement is coming back right now in Jesus mighty name. Thank you, father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Ruptures, hernias are being healed right now. We command those muscles to be healed. Whatever has happened here, Father, I just speak your healing. Command those things to go back to being normal now. In the mighty name of Jesus, praise God. As I was telling that story about Don who had this high blood pressure, some of you have suffered with that and you've been looking to all of these natural things. I'm not saying that there aren't things you should do, but you need to receive a spiritual miraculous healing. And right here is the healing power of God. If you'll receive it, God is touching you right now and whatever it is, it causes this high blood pressure is being healed. Just reach out and receive that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Man, I just believe that a lot, a lot of miracles have happened right here. Praise God. Let's thank God. Let's praise God. 
for touching our bodies and healing us. By the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Y'all receive that? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Praise God. I expect to hear a lot of great testimonies. Maybe uh, we'll have some time during this meeting to hear about some of this, but I believe that a lot of good things happen. Amen. You know, I want to ask one other thing. I don't know how to do this since we have all of you down here, but I also want to give people an opportunity in case there's somebody who's not born again. And if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you absolutely need both of those. It's not just enough to acknowledge that God exists. You have to receive him as your personal savior. The Bible says the devils believe and tremble. But won't you know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. You have to commit your life to the Lord. And then the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that every person needs. So if you have not received one or both of those, I would like to give you an invitation to come forward and we're going to pray with you. Somebody says, well, what's the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I think I must already have it. It includes a lot of things, but it includes speaking in tongues. If you are not speaking in tongues, if you don't even know what that is, you need to receive it. And I'm not going to take enough time right now to explain it, but I'm just telling you, you need it. If you don't have this baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you don't speak in tongues, We would love to have you come forward right now and pray with you. Anybody, if that's you, I just want you to come forward. Some of you may say, well, man, I'm not sure about this. Well, I am. (laughs) And so if you aren't sure, take the word of somebody who is sure. I'm telling you, you need it. It's absolutely essential. Praise God. I know some of you are thinking, well, they don't do this in my church. Well, you aren't in your church. This is the way we do it here. And I'm telling you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit changed my life. I've seen this change the lives of tens of thousands of people. And I promise you, it will make a difference in your life. Somebody might be thinking, well, what if I go down there and nothing happens? I can guarantee you if you don't come down here, nothing's going to happen. You got nothing to lose. We're here for the weekend to just sit and soak. I'm telling you, everything will be so much better if you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be uncomfortable this weekend. So come down here and become one of us. Amen. Jump in. The water's fine. Anybody else? Anybody else? I just know in my heart that there's more that have not received this. And you may have other questions. I've got a book that I'm going to give every person that will explain exactly what we're talking about. But if you're ready, you could come and receive right now. Anybody else? Don't come up to me after the service and say, you know, I think maybe I'm supposed to be down here. If you're supposed to be down here, come. And we're talking to men. Be a man. Come down here and just say, you know what, it's... The worst thing that could happen is you get a free book out of it. (laughs) Amen. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain. Anybody else? Are all of you born again? Do you know for sure that you're born again? Is there anybody who's not sure? 
you need to make sure you can't receive the Holy Spirit until you first of all receive Jesus as your personal Savior. Is there anybody? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand so I can see who I need to pray with. If I need to pray with you first about salvation, we need to do that. Anybody? Are all of you born again? You know that you're born again. I'm not trying to talk you out of it. You just got to be sure. And there's a lot of people today who are just kind of hoping so and thinking so. You got to be sure. Well, that's awesome. If all of you are already born again, then the Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's significant because that means that God created you to be a temple, a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. So it's what you were created for. God would not refuse to give you the Holy Spirit. He wants you to have it more than you want to have the baptism. So all we're going to do is just open up the doors of this temple and welcome the Holy Spirit to come into our life. That's all you got to do. It says in Luke eleven thirteen, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And in the same way as you want good things for your kid, and if they'll ask, man, you'll just give them anything. God wants to give you the Holy Spirit. So all we're going to do is just ask, open up the doors of our temple and welcome the Holy Spirit. And then we have people standing behind you. And after we, I lead you in prayer and we welcome the Holy Spirit to come in, they're going to lay hands on you. Because the Bible says that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit was given. So after I lead you in prayer, they're going to lay hands on you and just release this power of the Holy Spirit to come into your life. And after they lay hands on you, I want you to quit asking. There's a time to ask, but then there's a time to believe and just start thanking him. That's a step of faith, believing that what he promised in his word was true. And sometimes people have really dramatic experiences where they just... Uh, do crazy things. I'm not against that. But when I received the Holy Spirit, it wasn't that way. It was not wild. It was just something I did by faith. So you may or may not have a dramatic experience. If you do, fine. If you don't, it doesn't matter. God promised you that when you ask, he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. So after they lay hands on you, I want you to start thanking God that he gave you the Holy Spirit. And I want you at that time, after they've laid hands on you, I want you to put your hands in the air like this because the Bible says that when you lift up your hands, you bless the Lord. This blesses him. It's a way of surrender. Just like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you go, I surrender. This is your way of surrendering. So we're going to pray. They're going to lay hands on. You're going to raise your hands, start thanking the Lord for giving you the Holy Spirit. And then I want to ask all of the guys in here who already have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. We're going to start speaking in tongues because the Bible says that when you speak in tongues, you're giving thanks. So we're going to start praising God in a heavenly language for giving you the Holy Spirit. And as we start speaking in tongues, I want you to start speaking in tongues with us. I want you to quit thanking him in English and go to thanking him in tongues. And some of you are probably thinking, well, how do you do it? What happens? I've got a book that'll explain the whole thing. But if you're ready, you can do it right now. The one thing I will say to you is that the number one thing that hindered me, and I've seen it hinder other people, is that they think the Holy Spirit's going to force you to speak in tongues. Like he just takes control of you and you can't control it. It just comes out. It's not like that. It's exactly like when I spoke tonight. I believe that God spoke through me. I believe it was God speaking. But he didn't make me talk. If I would have said, oh God, speak through me. And then I just opened up my mouth and waited on him to force me to talk. We'd still be just standing here looking at each other with not a word said. God spoke through me, but I spoke 
and believed by faith, God was inspiring it. That's the way speaking in tongues is. It says in Acts 2, 4, they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues. He inspires you and you have to speak. So when we do this and start praying in tongues, you have to take a step of faith. You can't talk in tongues with your mouth closed. You can't talk in tongues in English at the same time. You are going to have to start speaking and by faith believe God is the one giving you the utterance. And it's like when a little baby first talks, sometimes it's not really good at first. It's hard for anybody to understand what they're saying, but that parent knows what that child's trying to say. Your heavenly father is here in your heart. And once you get over the newness of it and you start worshiping the Lord, you'll find out it just flows out of you. But you do have to cooperate. You have to speak. Everybody understand that? You ready? You going to receive the Holy Spirit? The Bible said believers will speak with new tongues. I want you to say, I'm a believer. And I will speak in tongues. Amen. Father, I thank you for all of these. Thank you that they're already born again, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we believe that you want to fill us with this power, fill us with all of the Holy Spirit's wisdom and everything that he has. So Father, we open up the doors of these temples. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come into our lives right now. We want your power. We want your revelation. We want the love and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And we open up our heart right now and welcome you to come abide with us forever. Thank you, Father. We just receive it. Now we lay hands on you and in the name of Jesus, we release this power of the Holy Spirit. We just speak that the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit is flowing into you, that he is entering into you and dwelling in you never to leave again ever in the name of Jesus. Father, we receive it and we thank you for this in the mighty name of Jesus. Now let's just put your hands up and go to worshiping God. Those of you know how to pray in tongues. Let's worship the Lord and speak in tongues right now. And as we speak in tongues and thank God in this heavenly language, we want you to join in with us. Quit speaking in English and just go to speaking in tongues right now in the name of Jesus. If you don't know what to say, you can try and say what you hear somebody else behind you saying. But your tongue will be unique to you. It won't be the same as anybody else. You'll find that you can't really do it. It'll come out different. But when it comes out different, don't quit. Just keep talking. Talk right now. Just speak. Don't worry about what it sounds like. Just speak. Worship the Lord. God's listening to your heart. It's a step of faith. The Bible says that when you speak in tongues, you are bypassing your brain. You're talking from your spirit and you bypass all of your doubt and confusion. You're speaking with the tongues of men and of angels and you're communicating with God in a level that you don't do with just your understanding. Thank you, Father. Oh, Thank you, Father. 
Dandale iko orushike habrotene be embre indicate pa brandele esso tonombro kotata Hallelujah Thank you Father Just be bold with it Man I think every one of them is speaking in tongues it looks like it I can't hear everyone but I believe that the power of the Holy Ghost is flowing right here people are receiving this baptism of the Holy Spirit Thank you Father Thank you, Jesus. Let me have your attention here for just a minute. Sorry to interrupt you. But you know, it's important that you understand what's happened to you tonight is the second most important experience you could ever receive. The only other thing that's more important is being born again. But this, as far as outward change, I changed more outwardly when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit than I did when I got saved. When I got saved, I changed inwardly, but when I got the baptism, I changed outwardly. And I mean, your understanding just explodes, but you have to understand what happened to you. It's much more than what you've experienced right here. This is a big deal, but you've got to understand. So I've written a book that will explain about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Also, if any of you didn't speak in tongues, uh, I believe that God still gave you this gift of speaking in tongues. You just have to understand it. And I've had thousands of people go ahead and speak in tongues after reading this book. So I'd like to give every one of you one of these books and it would really bless you. And we've got Mark right here and we've got some of our prayer ministers that we've got a room that they're going to give you this book. And if any of you have a question or if you want them to pray with you about anything, they'll be glad to do it. But we just want to make sure that you get the maximum benefit because this is important what happened to you. So if you would, this is Mark right here with his Bible up. If you'd just follow him, they'll take you right down the stairs. And we got a uh, room over there and they're going to give you those books and pray with you. Isn't this awesome? Man, praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, man, that's a good first night. I believe we saw a lot of great things happen. I believe a lot of people's lives were touched and changed tonight. You know, I don't think we have anything set up, but I would really like to hear these testimonies about healing. I know that there were some miraculous things that happened and uh, I'm not going to be available to talk to every person we got. Like, I don't know, 700 or six, 700 uh, here and but you know you could write it down on a piece of paper and somehow or another get it to us hand it to somebody and uh, it would just be great to hear these testimonies so uh, please do that and Gary do you have any instructions we got things open for people to stay in fellowship don't we so downstairs we, this is a fireplace right here that you can't tell because we got these boards around the fire department made us do that until we get it totally finished but we've got uh Two fireplaces outside on the upper deck, two fireplaces on the lower deck, and then we've also got a fireplace downstairs right in that same chimney configuration. And we've got some uh, couches and chairs down there, a place for you to stay and visit. And do we have refreshments? We've got some snacks and stuff, and that's all right below us. And so anyway, you're welcome to stay and just enjoy yourself. And remember, we start breakfast at 7 to 830 in the morning and we are going to start on time at 8.30. You are going to miss out on a gift if you aren't here, amen. So we're using a little coercion, but if you're late, you're ungodly. God is never late. 
So be here on time. You're dismissed.